Welcome back to the show, Lessonators. Today, we have the immense pleasure of introducing you to a true queen of inspiration and an absolute force to be reckoned with, Raina Rose. Raina is not only a wealth of knowledge, she's also a catalyst for helping others embrace their confidence, feel empowered, and speak up for what matters to them. With over a decade's worth of experience in the nonprofit space, Raina has had the pleasure of working with people from around the world, including India, Romania, Israel, Cuba, Germany, and the United States. In that time, she's been fortunate enough to reach over 200,000 hearts and minds as a speaker, mentor, author, and now business owner. Her company, The Rose Grows, focuses its efforts on helping kids build self-confidence, expand their networking skills, goal set, and learn about and respect cultures outside of their own. So whether you're a young woman seeking to unlock your potential, a seasoned leader eager to enhance your skills, or simply somebody ready to be inspired, this episode is for you. Let's get into it. Welcome to What's the Lesson, the podcast that takes you on a deep dive into the world of character development. We're Jill and Mary, the dynamic duo behind Girls Mentorship. We foster self-confidence, self-esteem, and self-awareness for tween and teen girls, along with their invaluable network of supporters through events, resources, and mentorship. Picture us as your coaches walking alongside you through the world of social-emotional learning and think of this podcast as your own personal roadmap. We'll support you in discovering obstacles that might be holding you back and gain clarity on why this work is a game changer, not only for your growth, but for the next generation of leaders as well. Alongside our fantastic guests, we're here to share knowledge about how you can change old patterns of behavior and make sense of those WTF moments, shifting them into lessons that can drastically improve your life instead. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a superhero stay-at-home mom, or someone fueled by boundless curiosity, our mission is crystal clear, to supercharge your emotional intelligence and sprinkle the magic of SEL into every corner of your life. Boom. Boom. Okay, so we were just talking about the fact that Reina means queen, and your parents actually didn't know that when they named you. So what a happy accident. Sometimes the best things happen on accident. What's up, everybody? What's going on, Miss Raina Rose? Rose. Oh my gosh. And okay. truly, I feel like you live into the queen name. Oh, absolutely. Look yeah. at look at your outfit. You have a rose on your collar. I mean, you if anything, you live and breathe your brand, your personal brand. And I think that's so important because when people ask you what you do, you can just be like this. This is what I do. This is who I am for this world. Um, and we'll obviously get into this, but you wrote a book called The Girl with Two Different Shoes and you wear two different shoes. And I just that I think that speaks volumes to who you are for this world. So Hi, welcome to the show. Hi. I was just thinking when you were talking about like how I live out like my my brand and my name. Growing up and my parents called me Raina Rose, I really like I didn't like it that much, but I feel like as I've gone through like an evolution of confidence as a woman, the more that I've like embraced my name and embraced my story of like where I've come from, I feel like the the more progress and more confidence that builds as a result. 
Is your name from someone? Are you named after someone in your family? Yeah. So in Jewish tradition, um, traditionally, you name someone um, after someone if they've already passed. So I'm named after my great-grandmother, Rena. Oh, amazing. That's beautiful. And I asked that because my name is Mary Francis. And as I was growing up, I hated it. I was like, God, I only know grandmas that are named Mary. Like, this is the worst name. And it is my aunt's name. And I actually never got to meet my aunt. She passed before I was born. So carrying on the legacy, which is funny because as I've grown, I've grown into the name. Mm -hmm. And I love the name now as, as it represents somebody incredibly special in my family but it, it is just so who I am and I ask that people call me Mary Francis I mean people can call me Mary that's fine as well but I love being called Mary Francis now so it's such a stark contrast between how I felt about it as I was growing up versus now and I think that just speaks volumes to to growing we grow up we grow into we start to embody and we we understand who we're representing and what we're what we stand for Totally. And I think, too, like the significance and addressing someone how they want to be addressed. You know, people who really care about me, they call me Raina Rose because they know that that's what my late father used to call me. That's that's how I like to be introduced. And, you know, when I was in the nonprofit world, I can't tell you how many times I would go to conferences. And I know it sounds silly, but I would get my name badge and it would say Raina Exelbeard. So I would take out a pen and I would write Rose on every <laughs> single on every single name badge. Um, and for other people listening, you know, another way you can take this piece of advice is sometimes when people come from another country, um, we can be impatient in learning their names. We'll just like, oh, we'll just call, we'll just give you a nickname or we'll just call you this for short. Um, but we don't realize that, especially when it comes to confidence using someone's name is going to not only make that person more attracted to what you're saying, but they're actually going to feel um, a much deeper connection, even if that interaction only happens one time. We couldn't agree more with that. And truly with the girls that we work with, summer camp comes to mind because we have multiple girls in a room and it is so important for us to learn their names, but for the girls who are sitting next to new friends and across from new friends to learn their names as well, because nobody likes to be pointed at and be and, and be called you. Hey, hey you, you over there, come over here. And I know that that is on accident, um, but truly when you get to know someone's name, there's a special feeling that they feel like they feel seen heard, valued, but most importantly, like they belong. Like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. she remembered her, my name and they they call me by my name. So we really try to model that ourselves, but enroll everybody who's a part of our workshops or a part of our camps or, or anything that we have going on because that is what bridges people together, that bonds one another and unites one another. Well, and I want to just say one of the top three reasons that kids quit on themselves or quit something is because they don't feel like they belong. So we make fun of Starbucks a lot, and I'm sure part of it is purposeful in their marketing, but they <laughs> spell names wrong all the time. And if you think about it, it's one of those things where, yes, it's going to take you an extra two seconds to ask how you spell something and we're 
trying to move through a crowd of people and be efficient. But it's so deflating to like get your drink name and have it be called Bill or Joe, which is what Jill gets a lot. And I understand (laughs) that there's a communication barrier and all the things, but it's like, we tell our girls that it's very important for us to not be Starbucks because of the misspelling and the mispronunciation of names. So thanks for pointing that out because you have a sign behind your head that says Teen Tribe, which we introed you. You work with teens, so you do similar work as us, but you are on the other side of the country, South Florida. Um, So we're both in these hot, hot places just covering the span of the United States. (laughs) And I think what's so fun about being able to connect with people who are on way different coasts than we are is the power of social media. And we often talk about how it is such a detriment to, you know, our our children and how they're developing and how they're seeing themselves. But the other part of social media is we get to connect with people who we may never have had the chance to connect with. And Miss Raina Rose, you are one of those people you've been like a constant cheerleader for us through the gram for the past I would say like two years we're like who is this chick I want to cry (laughs) thinking about it I'm so proud of you too it's amazing (laughs) well and that's freaking cool because we've never met in person and we've had one other conversation outside of a few dm conversations until right now so how cool is that that somebody you don't even know can see the efforts that you're creating and the impact that you're making and be proud of you and i love that and the moment we connected with you it was like a sisterhood mm-hmm. it was like where's the traveling pants like you you're our girl <laughs> let's <laughs> the traveling, the traveling vest. let's um, do it so can i ask you like how do you remember how you stumbled upon us I think during the beginning of the pandemic, when I realized speak like there were going to be no speaking engagements, that's kind of when I was like, okay, you need to take control of your social media. Um, And it's funny because prior to the pandemic, there were a lot of things I said, I can't, I can't make videos. I can't make TikToks. I can't get, you know, a bunch of followers. And I think it was like sort of through going through the rabbit hole of that, um, that I came across you guys or you ladies. And for me, seeing you guys post consistently um, in a good way um, inspired me, you know, to do the same. Um, And also just seeing the impact that you two were making and the feedback from the girls you know, some some of the days of that journey were were really tough. But when I'm reminded by the work, you know, like of girls mentorship and I and I see the impact, it doesn't make me jealous. It just reminds me that um, we all have so much work to do. Um, And I really think, too, in the last four years, being on my own as the rose grows my mission when one grows we all grow i've really learned through partnering with other organizations and teaming up with other people um the growth is exponential and the impact is also exponential and you live your mission fully i mean i couldn't agree more with everything that you just shared and i think that's something to really highlight that Raina found us on social media and has been cheering us on 
through DMs, through engaging on our posts, um, and has has dropped in of like, hey, I I want to connect with you, ladies. And it was just not a the it wasn't the right season for us to connect because it was summer. It was like we were in summer camp the b- b- mode. bunkers. <laughs> but we lovingly said, hey, we're Drop putting up in. we're putting up this boundary just to protect our time. But we would love to circle back around once summer camp ended. Sure enough. She slid back in, dropped back in. We connected, and it felt like Mary said, a sisterhood. And that level of respect of, I love what you're doing, we love what you're doing, and to look at one another as not as competition, but as how do we how do we hold hands and move forward together? Because when you, you win, we win, and vice versa. When, when we win, you win. And I love that you call that out because more women need to get on board with that because when we when we as women start to play that type of game our kiddos are watching totally totally and you know i'm i'm thinking about teen reina teen reina would have been like oh my god they're copying me or uh-huh. teen reina would have been like well forget this somebody else is already doing it you know why why am I going to waste my time? Like, who's going to want to do my thing if this other right. thing exists? And it just goes to show for anyone listening, if there is someone that you admire, connecting with them and getting involved with their efforts and being a genuine, you know, cheerleader and, and supporter goes a much, much longer way in the trajectory of your lifetime than just, you know, hating on the person and or some people spend time sabotaging, writing mean comments, reporting, but like, and all that time spent on negativity, had they invested in spending time with people um, doing things that inspire them, um, everybody would be better off. Gosh, and I, no, no shit. I just, I want to <laughs> say we, that. Yeah. We, um, but I want to say, it. you said teen, Raina. I even think of mid-20s Mary, right? Like, this work for me has has been a long time coming. Someone made a comment about me yesterday or the day before about me being the real deal because I handled a situation with, with such grace. And I said, girl... I have come a long, long way <laughs> from being a backstabbing, catty, shit-talking friend, and I won't let this situation stop me from continuing that work uh, because my goal is to maintain my integrity and in the process help the other person maintain their dignity. And I think that's really important and often overlooked because it is very easy to throw darts. It Mm -hmm. is very easy to tear people down. It is very easy to flip people off and middle finger to the world. You're doing something that I want to do and it's not as good or, you know, comparisonitis or whatever, whatever pops up. But it's like, man, this work is an everyday work and it's important to yeah, it's easy to maintain it when the tides are high, but what happens when the tides are real low and, mm-hmm. and you're at the bottom of the barrel and you're 
crawling out from six feet under. It's harder to maintain that integrity and that persona. And those are the times where you really get to refine your character the most. So as a parent, if you're listening to this, it is uber important to make sure that your kids, boys and girls, have examples of relationships that are positive and support one another as opposed to what pop culture deems as popular. I think back to Hailey Bieber and Selena Gomez, which is super relevant, right? It's not these amazing philanthropic women, you know, Selena's incredible. And she's not only an incredible singer, she's an incredible actress. She started a cooking show during COVID. Hailey is beautiful and multifaceted and has her own company. And instead of calling those facets out in them, the media pits them together based mm-hmm. on the fact that they were love interests of Justin Bieber, right? So it's yeah. it's automatically makes them less than each other. It makes them connected based on their mutual relationship to a man. And it totally devalues who they are as individuals. And that is so prevalent in the media today in terms of just what they do with with women's relationships it gives a very poor example totally and i also feel like when i was growing up a lot of the movies like um what was her name meredith blake and the lindsay lohan uh, what was that movie the parent trap girls or the the parent parent trap Trap. yeah well so hear me out i feel like a lot of women who looked a certain way that I wanted to look when I was younger and had certain careers in these TV shows and movies, they were often branded as, as a bitch and they were always Mm -hmm. rude to people on the phone and hanging up on them. And it's, I almost had to like unlearn a lot of that. I think as a teen, because having no sisters you there wasn't really social media back then and you you know you seek out um role models and if something you know appears in hollywood and fashion fashionable then you want to emulate like that but the truth is everything i've ever done in my life or have gotten and many things i have gotten for free it's because i was nice to the person Nothing good ever once happened in my entire life because I was rude or mean or impatient <laughs> with anyone from like three years old to 31. Not once. Preach. 100%. <laughs> yeah. um, could not agree with you more. You don't get anything that you want by being rude to people. It is so true. So Raina, you mentioned, you teased us a, li- a little bit around you being in the nonprofit space. And then we're just curious about your journey around what you did in the nonprofit world and then how you kind of broke out onto your own and, and what you're doing currently. So can you share with our audience a little bit more about your journey to where you've been to where you are today? Totally. So I have a little journal entry that um, I've never like shared in public before. Um, but okay. Thinking Sneak about, peek. Yeah. When I was like thinking about this podcast and I was like thinking about like teen Raina and sort of like, you know, where I was at as a teen, I went to a very academically challenging high school and I did not make straight A's. So by the academic sense, I, I never really felt smart as a young person And I didn't really have a lot of boyfriends growing up, so I didn't really feel like beautiful per se. 
But when I was 18, I went to Israel for a year and having the space to be on my own really, really, really helped me boost my confidence in terms of just as a woman, as an individual. It was like the first time in my life where I truly felt celebrated for who I was. You know, I think as a young person, we think that we want everyone to like us. So having boundaries is, you know, I used to see boundaries as a young person as, you know, I can't do something. Whereas now as a, an adult, I recognize, you know, boundaries really ensure that we're going to get treated the way that we want to be treated. And it doesn't matter who the person is. If we're not being treated with the respect that we want, then we need to have those boundaries and not hold on to those friends or hold on to those relationships. And my intention going into college was I wanted to study business. I wanted to make a lot of money. I wanted to go in politics. Um, but as a Jew from Tennessee, the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors, it was in Boca Raton, a city with more Jews than the entire state of Tennessee, that I experienced anti-Semitism for the first time. I had a fake eviction notice put on my dorm. I was cyber bullied. These students were allowed to bring in speakers who said the Holocaust never happened. And it was through overcoming those challenges that I was really forced to, to learn, forced by my own design, not forced by my family or by anyone else. But I realized I knew that my grandparents survived the Holocaust, but I didn't actually know their story. I lived in Israel for a year, but I really didn't understand the history there. So through getting involved with a lot of different nonprofits in college, a lot of leadership skills that I developed as a teen, learning how to be a good member, learning how to organize um, programs, that all made me an exceptional leader when I was in college. And it was through doing that that I realized I'm really passionate about building bridges with communities outside of the Jewish faith to show how we have a common history and inspiring other people to find, you know, their cause or advocate for something that's especially important to them. And so I got the business degree, but because of all the nonprofits I had worked with in college, I had a lot of opportunities for employment when I graduated. So I chose to work um, for an Israel nonprofit where half of my job was speaking about Israel and about anti-Semitism. And the other half of my job was mentoring students. So in six different states, I was training students how to public speak, how to organize events, in some instances also deal with hate in their schools. And the more that I did that, I realized there are so many children out there who want to be leaders, but not everyone has access to organizations as a teen. Not everyone has the opportunity to study abroad or go to a school that gives them opportunities to lead. So four years ago, I uh, left the I left the nonprofit world to launch the Rose Grows, where I've continued to work with teens. Um, I'm also now publishing children's books, so I'm working with like little, little kids. I'm pretty active um, on college campuses as well. A lot of my experiences with anti-Semitism, I'm able to leverage those to lead really, really interesting um, diversity and inclusion workshops where 
by me being vulnerable about my experiences and what I went through, whether I'm in a corporation or I'm with college students or I'm with teens, they feel comfortable to share out loud um, challenges that they've also had uh, with their identity or times that that they've been mislabeled. Um, and just, you know, the, the biggest thing for me in my business the last four years has been, you know, creating sisterhood online. Shout out to my friend Shannon Hale, you know, joining groups like Thrive and Shine Mastermind, getting involved with Jesse Itzler's group, following other people on social media who may not be doing the same thing that we're doing, but they're doing something that I admire. Um, that the positive has, impact. Yeah, it's that that all collectively has really, really transformed how I see myself and how I see my business evolving in the future. Well, and I want to I want to go back just a few seconds to where you said people trust you, students trust you because you've experienced similar things that they've experienced. And that has been one of the most powerful things that Jill and I have had the honor of experiencing is being able to relate to these teenagers. Obviously, yeah. we're no longer teenagers. However, we were at one point and we experienced a lot of the same things, feelings, thoughts, emotions, situations that they did. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes the relatability factor so much higher, which makes their comfort level so much higher, which just absolutely 100% brings down the walls and barriers for them to not want to share, right? They, they absolutely want to at this point. And I love how easeful it can be if you allow the space for them to to be able to. And so many people think that teens don't want to have a conversation with you or, you know, they can't have a conversation with you. And my pushback is always, are you allowing them the space to do it? Or are mm -hmm. you answering the question for them? Mm -hmm. Are you getting frustrated by them? Right. Because it takes some massaging of the relationship, if you will, in terms of building that trust. But once, once they know you, are, are there for them and you have pure intentions, they have no problem sharing. And the one thing we love to point out in that is that we often give our power away to situations that we don't have control over. So if someone's being bullied and or having hateful speech thrown their way, or like you said, you got a fake eviction notice, and there's, there's all of these terrible things that the world can do because they don't like you or they're, they don't know about you, which means that they don't like you, those situations then have power over you. And when you can share it with somebody else, when you can get it out of your body, the situation loses the power. So you're helping these kids get their power back, which is really cool because if you hold it inside and, and you just continue to shove it down and shove it down and shove it down, that's when we have these explosive situations where, you know, people lose their shit and they just yeah. can't deal with it anymore. Mm -hmm. And rightfully so. But you're giving them such a beautiful space to to relate to you. I appreciate you saying that. It's um, I really look at my programs with the young people as opportunities to really impart knowledge that I wish I knew when I was that age. So with the teens, it's, you know, different ways of journaling with the younger kids. It's, um, you know, writing thank you notes and also, you know, outside of, you know, race and some of like those parts of identity with the little, little kids, um, you know, when somebody says out loud how it makes them feel when somebody calls them 
a teacher's pet and I look at the room and I say, who here has ever called someone a teacher's pet? And I'm holding my hand too, because I've definitely been there for the first time students are considering the perspective of what it feels like to be called that because it's it's being said out loud. So I think something that parents can really take away um, from from my experiences and, and some of these workshops with the kids is you have to ask them questions and then you have to really just sit there and listen and not react. Respond when appropriate, um, but not react. Um, you know, two big examples. When I was in the nonprofit world, I would, you know, sometimes I would ask a large audience. If it was a fundraising event, I would say, you know, who here has a, a grandchild who's experienced anti-Semitism? And, you know, maybe like one person will, you know, raise their hand. Then I'll say, okay, like, raise your hand if you've actually asked your grandchild if they've ever experienced anti-Semitism. And then there's three hands that go up. And it was kind of this like idea of, well, if my child or my grandchild experiences this, then they're just going to, you know, tell me that. Um, and another time where I saw this come up was Two or three years ago, I was mentoring a student and um, unfortunately she had disclosed to me that something inappropriate was, you know, was going on. And, you know, we, I, I talked to her mom, we dealt with the situation, but it was the first time I'd ever dealt with sexual abuse, like being brought up um, by, you know, a student. And at first, I was like, well, you know, I've never been exposed to these things before. And then one of my good friends looked at me and she was like, no, Raina, this is just the first teen who ever felt comfortable enough like, to say that to you. Mm-hmm. And when she yeah. said that to me, I was like, holy shit, like I've worked with thousands of kids. So I went into some of these, you know, parenting Facebook groups who I'm very active in and my posts are always about kindness, conversation, like there's there's never any red flags. But all of a sudden I posted this story about, you know, I was working with this student and, you know, sexual abuse had come up and these are some of the signs and you should really talk to your kids like about like about it and ask them about it. And some of the groups took down the post. I got messages from moderators that were like, this post was triggering. Um, you're 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 trying to cause drama in multiple groups because you're sharing the status in multiple places. And it was just like, how can we prepare our children if we don't talk to them about these dangers? before God forbid they happen. Like, and then if God forbid they do happen, we can't expect a a young person to um, always feel comfortable to share what challenges, you know, they're facing. And so that's why I go back to, it's just really important to like check in with your kids, ask good questions and just listen. And sometimes even repeat back to them mm-hmm. what they said. Weird. Here's what I thought you said. Is this right? Is that correct? Well, it's interesting that you say that the moderators took it down because I'm sure they are trying to be peacemakers, one. But two, I mean, it's 
a pattern of behavior. So they probably heard some way, shape, or form in their own life that that stuff is, you know, like those are the things that we don't talk about here. Hush, hush. But again, we're making that about us. When a, a situation and a topic does feel heavy and it is triggersome, we have to remember that it is not about us. It's about saving this child from maybe going their whole life holding on to this and giving them the skills and the tools to be able to, like you said, open up and communicate effectively or empower the parents to say, whoa, I didn't even think about this. You're right. Like, I need to start talking about this in a in an open way yeah. and allow my kiddo to really just talk to me without you know, having anything else to say, really just be there as a sounding board. So it's interesting how we do want to make change for our kiddos, but we're, we're getting in the way because we're making it about us or we're bringing in past behaviors of like, oh, that's really going to ruffle people's feathers. Right. When it's a triple X conversation, I don't want to have it. If I have it, then something's going to happen. It's it's like the sex conversation. We were literally having a conversation last night with Mm -hmm. a group of moms and she said, don't, you said, don't react. She said, don't gasp. So if Mm -hmm. your son, your daughter is telling you something, don't, (gasps) don't gasp, right? Like just sit there and take it because if we can put ourselves back in our teenage shoes, Don't lie to yourself about the angel that you were because (laughs) you likely were not, and that doesn't go for everyone, but you likely were not an angel. So would I have preferred that my mom have more conversations with me about the dangers of the world and and being safe and protected in in multiple arenas? Absolutely. May I have rolled my eyes several times or been, you know, in the mindset that she was super cringy and we shouldn't be talking about those things? Yes. And she would have been planting seeds. Mm -hmm. But since those subjects are so taboo, they wound up not getting talked about. And then I wind up finding out on my own how dangerous certain situations are. And not not necessarily having regrets, but going down the rabbit hole of, oh man, this could have turned out way worse. Mm -hmm. I am very lucky that God was looking out for me because this didn't happen. Or in certain circumstances, it did happen and I have to live with that. And I've now turned those circumstances into, what do they say? Your test is your testimony. And now my my mess is my message and it is why we do what we do. So we can give girls a handbook of the things that we don't want them to trip mm-hmm. up over. Yeah. So yeah, it is. It's, it's an interesting, it's polarizing. So of course, people don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Ugh, I love how you said that with the mess. And also, I think, too, for parents, we're human. If you lose it a little bit, it doesn't make you look weak to go back to your child and apologize and say, hey, I'm really sorry that I guessed or I'm really sorry, you know, that I freaked out. Um, when you mentioned earlier about, like, holding on to something your whole life, I I must have been like 10 years old. And I remember my dad would just drive him in the car. And this was probably also a past behavior, right? From his his from his father, from my grandfather, who was an accountant. Because when I'd be driving around in the car with my dad, it would always be like, you know, what's seven times eight? What's times And I remember you guys one time I blew up on my dad. I literally was like, stop asking me. Like I freaked out on him, right? 
And I remember like he like got really, 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 really angry at me and whatever. We moved on and I'll never forget. I think it was like two or three years ago. You know, my dad has since passed. My older brother like made a comment to me one day where he was like, you know, dad really felt like so bad about like how mad like he got that one time, like you got so mad. And I looked at him and I was like, he remembered. And I was like, yeah, like he felt terrible. Like he told me all about it. And I started like thinking about it. And I started thinking about my dad as an adult, not as like child looking at my parent you know, my dad and my mom were busy providing for four kids. That's not to say that he didn't want to address it. Maybe he did, but on in the minutiae of the list of stuff to do, it just kind of got pushed aside. Now, mm-hmm. I don't have any resentment towards my dad because of that incident, but it is something that I always remember just because we both got so mad. <laughs> and it, it paints, it paints part of your history but I often think you said like with the minutiae comment we also get a lot of comments from males so we work a lot with sports teams and I think the statistic is 70 Mm percent of youth sports coaches are males so we get a lot of comments from male coaches around how to communicate with their female athletes and not knowing the best way. So I think even it might have been something with your dad where you said it, like he learned what he learned from his dad and his grandpa and his grandpa before that. And I mean, maybe he just didn't have the best tools to communicate how he felt in that moment to kind of smooth the situation over. Like Raina, you're going to take your ACT one day. Let's do four math problems so that when you're 17 years old, <laughs> like you don't have any problems. You know what I mean? Or like Raina, like you're going to run a business one day or like even in today's culture of like, okay, if you bought the Nikes for $20, how many pairs do you have to sell at, you know, $80 to make? Like, I just, I, I think back to, to what you said, I think, there can be ways to sort of bring maybe some of our things to the times because the intent was always good. The intent wasn't wasn't to make the 10 year old blow up. Right. And maybe it worked with my but brother. But the impact was totally different than the intention. Correct. We talk Correct. about that a lot with our girls. We actually do a workshop on it. Your intention and your impact need to be in alignment or people can feel it when it's not. And what I wanna just say in in this story of yours, Raina, is that you have the tools that you've reconciled any bad intention of 10-year-old Raina to your dad, but that memory still is with you. And a lot of people go their whole lives with resentment, with frustration, with I mean, bad will because of a conversation that that didn't, that Im- impacted them in a negative way. And as opposed to using tools to communicate how it made you feel, they like bulldoze over their relationship or they then bulldoze over relationships in their life. And, and it kind of becomes this toxic waste that happened to this person when they were 10 years old that now is starting to repeat itself. So it is so important. And why I know Mary and I do this work, why you do this work is to not allow people to have tough situations, like not have it become like your identity. It's just like learn from it, 
okay, that sucked. What did you learn? Let's move on. And then be able to then really be about it. So if it happens again, you're more you're more equipped, you're well prepared. But so many people, it's fascinating, still will remember things. Like I was just talking to my sister-in-law before I came over to Mary's house. And she was like, your mom pulled out her wedding albums. My mom and dad have been divorced for over 20 years. And I'm like, what is she doing? Like, oh my gosh. But she's still holding on to, and not that she can't reflect and look back on those things. Or have happy memories. Or have happy memories. What we know about our moms is that's not the case. And that wasn't the case. (laughs) Jenny was like, oh my gosh, it was. The toxic waste. It was the toxic waste. And I'm like, oh, that breaks my heart because for 20 years, my mom's been holding on to some stuff. And, you know, we see it as her children, but man, it could allow her to, to gain freedom. And, and that's release. really what it is. Yeah. yeah. The unknown is, is scary. Unfortunately, like when we talk about like what's comfortable, toxic people's situations and habits are very comfortable. We it, like to bathe in it. Yep, we love true. the toxicity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, I think sometimes we can be aware that we want to make a choice, but sometimes we need to sort of like marinate and that awareness period before, you know, we, we make a move. Um, and I, and I have, and I have hope for people in all situations. I like to say, you know, the, the train leaves the station at different times for different people. Amen. As long as they get it at some point in their life, then God bless them. And if they don't, then God bless them. Yeah. If you cut me me off the traffic, I already forgot about you as soon as you went away. Yeah, let it go. Let Let it it go. go. Idina Menzel said, let it go. Um, (laughs) Well, and I love, I love thinking that the three of us and several other people that we've had just such the utmost privilege to meet throughout this journey, we get to be the lighthouse and the mirror to those people. So my mom is the same as Jill's mom. They're different people, but they're, they're the same person um, in, in the fact that they like to stew and, and think back on things that happened to them, not for them. And I like to know that the way I am, my being is a calmness in the storm and a lighthouse to them to come to when they need to get regrounded and let go of certain things. My mom has grown leaps and bounds in the last, obviously, years, but in the last 10 since I've been doing some really deep work on myself, it matters to other people and not just the girls we're working with, but the family members that we're challenged mm-hmm. by. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it might happen slower than I want it to happen. But like you just said, the train leaves the station at different times for different people. And I just have to continue to hold that space like I would for anybody else and practice, most importantly, what I preach right. um, to not get ruffled and and wind up saying something that I don't want to say and regret saying it later and and all those things. So this work has taught me to not take on the work of other people and just hold the space for them and know that they're going to improve just by being in your proximity. Totally. And, you know, sometimes it takes world events or like changes in your life or the other person's life you know, this might be a silly example, but it used to be whenever my mom would come to Florida, if we weren't going out to eat, then most of the time it's 
I'm at her apartment, we're watching sports, and we're sitting on the couch for a couple hours, which for me, I don't mind sports to watch it like live, but I'm not the kind of person who ever sits at home by myself and turns on, you know, the sports stations. And it used to like bother me so much, but in the last year, having a serious boyfriend who loves to cook, now, whenever my mom comes in town, she comes over to my boyfriend's house for dinner and we watch, oh my God, this, I, first of all, I never in a million years would have believed this would have happened. My mother watched 90 Day Fiance on Monday. First of all, she is like Southern Tennessee. I think they need another spinoff of my mom doing commentary to the show. It was brilliant. <laughs> but it took, you know, I moved to Florida when I was 19. I'm 31. It took... 11 years, me getting a boyfriend for the routine to change. So sometimes, you know, it might not be the, the treatment or the routine or the way that we're being talked to, but having the faith to just come from a good place. And again, just being, you know, patient, you know, with, with other people, eventually the circumstances do change. And this happenstance is way better than anything that I would have imagined for an activity for me and my mom to do. Isn't that wild? <laughs> now you can be like, oh my gosh, okay, I totally get it. I'm sure she loves it too. She must be a quality time gal. Yeah, quality it's time it. is her love language, <laughs> which most parents it yeah. really is. We call that the rule of reciprocity. Just spend some time doing what she wants to do and you'll get everything you need from her. Exactly. It's pretty wild if you play the game. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Raina, we freaking love you. We're going to have all of your, wherever people can find you, your two books, your Instagram. If you are in South Florida, this is someone that you absolutely need Hit to be connected with. Up. We're absolutely. excited to have opportunities in the future to maybe collaborate on, on certain things. You have helped open the door of our minds to to different opportunities to work with you and with different communities so we're excited to continue to explore that but you're a damn gem you're a queen yeah that i like it can finally appreciate when people say that and so i say it with like just every ounce of love in my heart like just thank you thank you so much yeah 100 oh my gosh we know in our hearts, um, that there are good people out there doing good things, and you're one of them. So thanks for being on our show. Um, we can't wait to collaborate and continue our journey together. And just super grateful to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Don't go anywhere, but listeners, we're kicking you out until the next episode. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to What's the Lesson? If you're feeling the same, I can do anything attitude that we are, here's how you can keep the momentum going. Spread the good vibes. Share this episode with your friends, family, or give us a shout out on your social media. Fancy a trip to iTunes town? We're all ears for your ratings and reviews. Seriously, we read each one of them. Your thoughts are like gold to us. Lastly, let's be friends. Hang out with us on social media for more awesome content and behind the scenes action. And until we meet again, remember our golden rule. Turning those WTF moments into WTL moments is a superpower. 
Practice is always progress, and you've got this.